Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steiner Blondie. This is Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ... How do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Twitter used to be a boring app. Then one day, Jake Matter decided he would create an account specifically to ask famous people if they liked ska or nah. Surprisingly, many replied, like Elvis Costello, Guar, and Matthew Lillard. Those three all yes, by the way. Today, we bring on Jake to talk about his now infamous Twitter account, as well as his excellent ska core band, Grey Matter. We even get him to tweet at a few celebrities during our chat. One of my favorite things on Instagram, every time Jake goes to Goodwill and finds old electronics from the late 90s, early 2000s, and then fixes them. Hmm. I really want to go to Jake's house and just look at all the stuff Jake has. (laughs) He's a good collection. Is there a different social media platform that you uh, happen to see Jake's work on? What, were you thinking there was like a a specific one, like like a... um, Like it's Jake specific social media. <laughs> it's only Jake all the time. It's only Jake's. Only Jake's.com. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, okay, so Instagram, there's a thing you like to do and see what Jake is doing on a different one. Let's say Twitter. Mm. Do you ever check in on what Jake's doing over there? Oh, yes. But that's under Jake's superhero pseudonym, Scott or nah. Yeah. Do you know, like, um, I had thought about interviewing Jake really early in this podcast, and I thought it'd be really funny to do it as though he, Scott or not was like, um, their, their identity was like secret and was not, not to be revealed and have him do it like in a, yeah like a scrambled voice like they do for, um, when somebody's like a, under witness protection. That would have been so awful to listen to. <laughs> this is a better interview than I had originally imagined this to be. So yeah. Can you imagine that? Well, my name is Scott Arnaud. That'd be terrible. <laughs> So here, actually listen to a good interview with Jake Matter of Scott or not. Not the fake one that we didn't do. And Gray Matter. Not just Scott or not. Gray Matter also. Yeah. Well, first thing, though, is I want to ask you a question. Uh, it's a yes or no question. Are you ready? <laughs> Shoot. Do you like Steely Dan? Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so what's the big draw of Steely Dan? Uh, it's just really good. I don't know. It was like, it was just really easy to listen to during the quarantine when everything was so stressful that like you could just put on fucking, uh, can't buy a thrill. And it was just like, everything's fine. 
<laughs> and then like it started out as just like a relaxing thing to listen to and then you listen to it and realize just like the musicianship and all those songs is insane the lyrics are like really weird and funny and smart uh steely dan fucking rocks i wish as much as i love the scar or not twitter account i really wish the uh steely dan one would have taken off as well <laughs> now the the scar now one works because there's a stigma against scott is there a stigma right would you say there's a stigma against steely dan no i mean maybe some people probably don't like it but not i feel like any group of proficient musicians eventually comes around and has like a steely dan moment yeah i i would agree in the 90s when we were teenagers steely dan was very uncool oh yeah well that's i think a little bit of the appeal also is that like yeah but i feel like they've come around like i want to say like eight to ten years ago like all the hipster like sites and all the people were like suddenly having a a steely dan reevaluation or something Mm -hmm. and so i don't think that i don't think they're viewed as uncool anymore but in our in our youth they definitely were they were definitely our parents music and it was like the most you know that's the music you hear in the grocery store level of like your parents music right well that's like also i i inherited a lot of my dad's record collection a while ago uh and my dad just had three copies of asia Mm -hmm. and it's just like cool man i get it but like also why do you have three copies of this record (laughs) did one get scratched or something i don't think so sometimes when you love a record you just want to keep buying it sure yeah i mean that's fair i certainly have done that with a couple records that I just have bought digitally and I have on vinyl and I have a cassette of for no reason. Yeah. I'd say the other, the other band that's kind of come back around is uh, Fleetwood Mac. Oh, big time. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac also rocks. Yeah. Everybody's super down with that. Yeah. That used to be the kind of band that if you went to the thrift store, probably still. Yeah. You would see that record uh, rumors for like a quarter. Yeah. Um, And you know, I, I, I bet you that's not the case anymore. I bet you those records are worth money now because people um like really love them a lot again like or you know like younger generations not just the generation that grew up with it yeah well it's like when i was growing up when i was a kid fleetwood mac was like commercial music that shit was like Mm -hmm. all over commercials and stuff and it was like funny because i also really like fleetwood mac and like rediscovering rumors like listening to that for the first time it was just like wow i recognize like half of these songs for like capital one credit card commercials and stuff (laughs) (laughs) you can go your own way capital one yeah that was the bill clinton's uh song too it's even (laughs) hilarious oh wow do you remember that no no it was it'll go your own way yeah because i think they were trying to use it in a way that was like progressive but Mm. the song's about uh divorce yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah maybe maybe you should pick something with a saxophone solo God, could you imagine if if that Fleetwood Mac song had a saxophone solo? Oh, they would have sold 20 million more copies. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, so when, when we started this interview, we were saying we were going to try to get somebody to um, respond. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Before, by, by the end of the episode. Okay, I want you to ask Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm assuming he's just at Bill Clinton. Yep. All right, asked. Aaron, who do you got? I want you to ask one I think that actually has a chance of responding. Yeah. And somebody I want to get on the guest show. So let's uh let's go through you. Melissa Villasenor from Saturn Live. Is she, is she the one that just posted the picture of herself in the cat bite shirt? 
Yes. So the answer is oh, definitely yes. But uh, if she responds, then the, the door is a uh, uh, is more open for her to come on uh, uh, in defense of Ska. All right, it is asked. Also, because there's the picture of her in the cat bite shirt, like I'm gonna get like ten replies with that picture, and everybody's gonna be like, confirmed. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's not confirmed until they confirm, right? Until it comes from the actual account, it doesn't count. Yeah, see, this is like one of the main rules of Skarna. Right. And and also just because when people reply to the account, it <laughs> drives interaction for my account. I get more followers. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the part of the reason why I, I instituted that rule. <laughs> yeah, see, if you are like, you know, Ska fan uh, 383 and you have 20 followers and you're giving Jake the proof, it's not helping. <laughs> It's always appreciated, though, you know. Well, yeah, I need <laughs> I need Bill Clinton in my mentions as soon as possible. <laughs> so, okay, I want you to defend new metal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just fun. It's so good. You've threatened to write a book called "In Defense of New Metal." I forgot. I forgot I did that. I did. Yeah. So let's hear it. Let's hear your pitch. It's just. Well, now you put me on the spot. And now I'm like thinking of all the bad things associated with new metal. But like, I don't. When was the last time you listened to like Break Stuff by Limp Bizkit? Um, as as infrequent as possible would be my answer. I would recommend after this, open your mind and go listen to it because it's like so good. <laughs> it's just like so catchy. It feels so good to listen to. Like. I love it. And like, I feel like, especially like, I don't know, obviously y'all don't love new metal, but like, I don't even really love it either. I just specifically like Limp Bizkit because that new Limp Bizkit record that came out last year is like really self-aware and funny. And I think that like, I think that specifically that new record is worth a listen all the way through. I mean, there's like a lot of like bullshit on it. Fred sings a lot on it and that I don't care about that at all. But like, Dad Vibes is a good song. (laughs) (laughs) Dad Vibes. Is okay in the category, which I know is kind of a loose category, but in the category of new metal, are there bands that you go, hey man, then this isn't actually, this is an actual good band. Like, yeah, they're fun, but they're actually good. Like, okay, is there any of those? I wouldn't, it depends. A lot of people like consider Rage Against the Machine a new metal band, which I really don't know. But that was, that would be like who I would argue for the hardest. Yeah. I would say System of a Down. I don't like listen to them. Oh, System of a Down's so good. Yeah. Yeah. System of a Down is way less cringy than people make it out to be. Yeah. System of a Down is probably the high high end of, of new metal. Definitely. The gold standard, I would say. I really like Slipknot. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would consider that new metal. I mean, everybody does, though. Everybody considers it new metal. Isn't that just metal? It's weird. Yeah. No, you're right. They they are totally totally lumped into that category, but I don't consider that band metal either. And it's it's really just because on the first like record or first couple records, there's like some rapping and there's turntable scratching. But right. it's also like just like grind and like noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about Deftones? I so I actually am you are always tweeting about Deftones. I am like, that's a band that just totally missed me. Okay. I can see that. I just think it's funny because, okay, so with both new metal and ska, you have like the big bands that like are still around and still have like a huge following. Right. Like for new metal, like Limpus, it would be like at the top end of the, the like most well-known bands. Right. And like Papa Roach would probably be like the bottom end. Like, yeah, but they still have like a huge following. 
Yeah. And then there's, but then there's like, and then with Ska, you have what? Goldfinger, real big fish. And then like less, less than Jake is probably like the low end. They're probably like, yeah. About like the Papa Roach level. But then if you look at like the other bands, the like, like C and D level bands that like never really got their druthers. Mm Mm-hmm. The ska bands are way better than the new metal. Oh, bands. definitely. So we, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, so I I have played in Gray Matter since I was like nineteen. I'm twenty seven okay. now, and we, and over the course of being in this band, have like kind of witnessed all the local scene go mostly from like metalcore to like emo, and like when we first started playing shows, we played a lot of shows with bands that were like metalcore but also like a little bit new metal and that shit is so bad <laughs> like that if like <laughs> god like the good metal or the good new metal is like good but like the bad shit is so bad <laughs> i mean and that's yeah. how i that's true for anything but i also feel that way about ska too the bad ska is really bad yeah yeah but i feel like i feel like the bad ska though is still like earnest it's usually because of bad playing yes oh absolutely whereas with new metal it's it's embarrassing because they're taking it like hyper serious and it's just not good yeah i feel like the ska bands like the young just starting bands get a bad rap for being you know not very good players but it's like that's that's where you start and i would never could never fault somebody for that like i gray matter was really the first band i ever played in that really played shows and i was bad for a long time (laughs) Yeah, and some of those bands get good, and you know, and, and I'd say the bands that are like proficient players but aren't that good in the ska uh, category, uh, at worst, are probably just um, boring, like not uh, bad, right? In my opinion, it's just like, oh, I guess you know, I've I've heard this before. It's not really pulling at me, but it's not bad. It's not right. like I'm listening to this and going like, God, this is horrible. Turn this off. It's not like a net. Uh, detraction from society that that exists whereas some of the like new metal shit is just like buddy you don't need to be screaming this in this basement like this <laughs> <laughs> now jake adam has attributed um some of the reevaluation of new metal has has faulted it on some of the success of the ska ska scene and ska music of being reevaluated what is your take on this uh, I can see it because I think that to like specifically people that maybe don't like either, I think that they both are, can be very annoying. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if you think ska sucks, that shit's annoying. If you think new metal, uh, like they're just both like, there's a lot of, uh, hmm, just the way that new metal and ska both exist, uh, can be seen as really obnoxious. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and they both get uh, they both get associated with the '90s, even though ska has a much wider, bigger history. Yeah, so they go like, "Oh yeah, '90s ska isn't as bad as I thought. Maybe '90s new metal isn't as bad as I thought." Were there any band? Do y'all know of any bands that did it both, like ska new metal, ska new metal? Adam, three uh, eleven, I guess. <laughs> did three eleven? Three eleven are kind of reggae vibes. Would we say that they have ska in them? I would I would say three eleven are are the are the crossover like they're they're close enough to ska and new metal, right? That they're the like missing link between the two. Mm. But I'll I mean I'll also always have to say that Link eighty played the Papa Roach album release show. God, that's so sick! Like they were down with ska, they had us play that shit. I've asked them on Twitter 
Link 80 is the missing connection then. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Unreleased Link 80 new metal album. <laughs> I was hoping to talk uh, uh, about not Ska for the first opening, but we still talked about Ska. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's jump into Ska. Now, I want to talk about your account, Ska now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. There's a There's a nice overlap between what you do and what we do. Yes. Okay, well, first, just anybody who's uh, not on Twitter, just t- t- explain Skarna real quick. So I run this Twitter account where the entire premise is that I just tweet it. So I'm going to check right now and see if we got any replies. No replies yet. Uh, I run a Twitter account where I just ask famous people on Twitter if they like Ska. And because Ska is so divisive, uh, people either like, well, I'm still the majority of people don't respond. But if you catch somebody that likes it, they'll say like, hell yeah. Or like if somebody doesn't like it, they'll like definitely let you know. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's gotten massively popular because a lot of like the when people say no, it's almost always very funny. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like they're just responding to some anonymous Twitter account. Like I got I got to weigh in. Yeah, like Converge said, fuck no. It was like, <laughs> nice. The best part about the, the Converge story is that somebody posted a thing <laughs> giving proof that someone in the band likes Scott after. Screenshot of their drummer that day posting on Instagram that he was listening to Scott. Yeah. <laughs> what was he listening to? Uh, it was something, uh, some on a trojan records i don't remember what specifically okay sometimes you get like some interesting replies not that not just yes but you get like little stories and little Mm -hmm. tidbits so sometimes we've mentioned your little interactions on this show a few times and also some of the little bits of information you've gotten have gone into the research on this fine uh pod podcast (laughs) project that have we've then asked people about and gotten more information Right. So let's let's kind of go through the list of ones that I uh that I noted. Okay. Uh you asked Ted Leo if he likes Ska and you got a whole story from him. Yes. Okay. We talked about that. We talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. Um I don't know if you listened, but um I did. Yeah. I was surprised to hear that he uh responded to your question like kind of angry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I well that was like uh, I mean, my fault, I suppose, because I, I mean, I just will fire off and ask people like who I don't know, especially if somebody suggests that suggests it. Nobody suggested that, but it was like a weird. I was so surprised that he even responded because I asked him just because I had been listening to uh, there's a new Ian Mackay project that a record came out for in like 2020 called I think it's called Koriki. Yeah. Uh, and their drummer was, I was like reading the Wikipedia article for it just to see what was up with it. Uh, that record's really good. Also, I recommend checking it out. Uh, but their drummer is Ian McKay's wife and she also had played drums for Ted Leo. And I was like, all right, let's see if this guy's on Twitter. And then I asked him, <laughs> never heard a song. Just was like, sure. <laughs> his, I mean, I don't remember his exact response, but it was in the vein of like, how do you not know? I like Scott. Like, it's because <laughs> i don't know who you are man i'm sorry <laughs> all right so um uh max collins from eve six yep we uh we built a significant part of our interview around his response to you yeah which was he said no 
And then he got a lot of shit for it. And then he said, yes. <laughs> and he walked it back. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Flip flopper. Walked it back so far as to do a cover of an Op Ivy song with We Are the Union. And then tour with We Are the Union. And then yeah. tour with them. <laughs> and do our podcast. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so the day, so you tweeted at him. It was like the day after or two days after he got his very first viral tweet. Yes. And that was totally why. It's just that because like a lot of the time, if somebody's like a tweet like that flies across the Twitter account, I'll just this person's on Twitter right now. I'll ask. Sure. And that was why I asked. A week before you asked him, no one was thinking about, oh, the guy from Eve Six is a hilarious Twitter <laughs> account. He's just like, oh, that's that's a band from the 90s. They had, you know, this song. That's that's their status. Mm-hmm. He's he tweets out um, that he was a virgin when he wrote um, Inside Out, and that <laughs> so tweet funny. blew up. Yeah, yeah, it's a great tweet. And then so you you asked him a ska, and then you know I I assume that him saying no, and then him walking it back and saying yes. I think I'm gonna guess that that increased the whole like I'm Eve Six, you know I'm Max, and I'm just gonna be kind of crazy on this Twitter account, yeah. and people are gonna not know what to expect from me and follow me for that reason. Well, and then he started tweeting at other like verified, like famous people and stuff on the Eve six account, asking if they liked the heart in the blender song. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually the, it, now, then he be started doing, um, when he still does this is he just goes, D- Hey, you know, such and such celebrity. Do you like alt rock? Yes. Yeah. So it's like almost an exact copy of what you do. Right. So that's amazing. So that's definitely somebody who's like not who's taken a lot from their interaction with you. Yes, I was I was bummed. I was going to go to that uh, show because that tour with We Are the Union came to Michigan, but we had just gotten a new dog and he's like not settling in super well. So I couldn't get get away. But I really wanted to like tweet a picture with Max because we've really been full circle, I think. Yeah, that would have been great. So, OK, you you tweeted at Laura Jane Grace. Um and you got a you got a yes, and she said that she had uh, skanked at a special show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then we were that was great because I asked her about that, and uh, we talked about that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good a good day for the account. That was the first like real big day because it was like I asked her, I had asked uh, the Mountain Goats, and they replied, and I one other person. I can't remember who it was now, but it was like, I got three like positive replies in about 45 minutes. Yeah, that's that's good. So it was, that was a day of like 250 Twitter notifications. And it was, that was like right at the like, because I I was laid off and didn't have a job for all of 2020 and most of 2021. Yeah. Uh, So I just had nothing to do but sit on Twitter. So that was like, you're like, I have a job now. Literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have not aired this episode yet, but it will episode it will air before your episode airs. And uh, we had John Darnell from Mountain Goats. Mm. Yo, the, uh, yet again another overlap because when you when you asked him about ska, he I don't know if you remember this. He talked about a ska song that he wrote, yes, yes. And, and never released. Peepin' and skankin'. <laughs> Now you're going to hear all about, you're going to hear him recite the lyrics and oh sing the God. chorus and the horn line. Oh, I can't wait. So, and then I don't think that, uh, you know, we have you to thank for this because I, that's the only, that's the only mention I've ever heard of Peepin and Skankin was him replying to your question <laughs> of, do you like ska? And he was surprised that he's like, 
He's like, how do you know about that? <laughs> I was like, you tweeted it once. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, I really, really hope that from the pieces he gave us that people try to recreate the song. Somebody, yeah. somebody's got to be able to do it. Yeah. So you also, okay. So you, uh, you tweeted at Touche Amore. Yes. And they posted uh, a picture of uh, their drummer, Elliot Babin, uh, as a, uh, as his, his, they took his uh, Aqua Cadets pick uh, card. Yes. That was, that was truly one of my favorite replies actually. And that was great too. Cause we had him on and we, we talked all about that. Mm-hmm. Good episode. Good episode. Because, and again, is because of the, the little bits of information you got. That was part of the research. See, so that's the thing. A point I'm trying to make is that you're going to add me to the Patreon. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> doesn't just find out if celebrities like Scott or not. It, you get, you get information out of them, like little tidbits. Yeah. I mean, that's I, truly my favorite part of the account is like, rather than somebody just saying yes, or it's fine. Like, cause people that like Scott, like, like Scott and really want to, you know, uh, prove their connection. And the, there's a lot of wholesome interactions like the Tony Hawk one. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. I, <laughs> Tony Hawk replied and I almost deleted the account. <laughs> that was, I that just, was game over. Yeah. I was like, that's not going to get any, like they're like more people may reply, but like it's fucking Tony Hawk. Like, yeah, this is cool. This is going to get, and it, it was a good reply too. It was a long one. Yeah. Which, that was I love that one too because I made that dumb meme that like popped off and it's just how he saw it. It was a perfect, perfect Twitter storm. But you can't you can't delete yet because you haven't gotten your your white whale yet. Yes. And that is Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> yes, Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> Which is that was like the the genesis of the Skyrna account was I used to I would ask people like on my Twitter account all the time. I would just tweet at people. Uh, and then one time on tour, the band that we were on tour with, somebody like set up a Twitter bot that like two or three times a day just tweets at Rivers and asks if he likes ska. Uh, <laughs> it's still up. It's still going. Uh, it's still going. Oh, this is why you're not going to get a reply. I'm sure <laughs> you have to disable that bot. So and he's got to have space. I don't, I don't have the. Pa- I didn't make it. I don't have the password. But we got to figure out how to disable it. Okay, who, whoever made that bot, please disable it and give him some space. Yeah, Ryan, if you're listening, please. He needs like a good month of not being asked to be like Ska before he'll respond to Jake here. He's never going to reply. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love. So this is another example of how the rules work because you know he did a he did do he he re-recorded a Scottalite song with um Todd Rundgren. Like, Todd Rundgren, yeah. And so people are like, see everybody every time. But it doesn't count. Right. It doesn't count until he says yes. Yep. Until he says, duh, I recorded a song with Todd Rundgren. Right. He could literally, if he just replies with that link, I would be through the roof. Tony Hawk was sort of a, that was a white whale as well. Right. Yeah. And you had been, before you got actually got a reply from him, you had been talking about uh, raising money and getting a cameo. Yeah. So that you could ask him. Yes, I still am kind of planning on doing that. I, I'm always like, next time we hit an even thousand, I'll do it. But I hit five and had gone back to school and wasn't working, so I was like, I'm not going to spend this money. But I think that like, <laughs> I think that once I hit six, which I mean we're like 900 away from, uh, 
I'm going to finally do it. <laughs> so did, does that mean that um, you'd asked him several times before you actually got the reply? Yes. Yeah. Probably, I think Tony Hawk, besides Rivers, was probably the person I had asked the most. I think it feels like it at least because it was always easy to be like, I'll just ask Tony Hawk right now because I'm bored. That's the other, the other genesis of this Twitter account was when I started working again. I just was delivering pizza and doing nothing at work when I wasn't driving my car. So I just would be like popping them off and like sitting, sitting in the back of work on Wikipedia, just like clicking on people, seeing who has a Twitter, who uses the Twitter. Cause I like try not to ask people that aren't active on Twitter. Cause it's just like, yeah, that's funny, but like nobody's going to reply. Yeah. Um, do you take into consideration like oh they may or may not like scott or is it just like i'm gonna ask people who have who are on twitter i'm just gonna ask usually i mean i'll ask i anytime i ask like a since converge said no whenever i ask like a heavy band i am like it'll be funny if this band says no but uh for the most part no it's just who who is like active on Twitter that I think might reply. Now I know that uh, aside from converge, Ken Jennings also said no to you. It was right. Ken said no on my personal account. And that oh, was, okay. and I was like, I can't believe Ken Jennings just dunked on me on Twitter. I'm going to make a Twitter account for this dumb thing I do. So he actually inspired, ultimately inspired the account. Yeah. Did he say no? Or did he, what did he say? Uh, so I, I didn't outright ask. I tweeted, uh, I was like, hey, does anybody know how to get a hold of at Ken Jennings? I have a very important question. And he replied and was like, I know a guy or some dumb bullshit. And uh, <laughs> uh, I was like, do you let us? So I asked him and then he just all caps. No, it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, who else has said no that you can think of? Uh, the hardcore band Mind Force said no. Okay. I'm going to, I can search real quick and see. Um, you have a tab for ska and one for nah. I actually <laughs> have been like meaning to set up like a kind of a basic website where you can just see. See who says yeah and nah. Wow. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die said no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what broke up his band. I know, right? It was like pretty close to that actually too. Yeah. Uh, well, Eve Six said no, but he, you know, he he, he walked, walked that back. back yeah. yeah, he walked it back, and then he came on our podcast to make amends. Right? God, the, yes. I just found the the fuck no from Converge is so funny. Yeah, was um was the Converge fuck no the biggest moment of you getting an increase of fan base? Yeah, I got like three thousand followers in like eight hours. <laughs> Cause, <laughs> yeah, because because Loudwire picked it up. Yeah, people were like screen sharing the screenshot of that interaction. It was like going around the Facebook groups and stuff. Yeah, I love the um, some of the people go get a really enthusiastic yes. Like, um, what's his face, Brian O'Halloran? Oh, uh, Dante from Clerks, right? Yeah, yeah. He just like big list of all the bands Mm -hmm. he loves. Mm -hmm. God, I forgot about that one. And he's like, why wouldn't, who wouldn't like Scott? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 The Elvis Costello one was a trip. I'm still convinced that's not Elvis Costello. No, I, it, I, it has to be him because he did like the old man thing where he replied to the wrong tweet. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Instead of replying to the tweet where I asked him, 
at the time, because I had tweeted at Microsoft and asked if Master Chief from Halo likes Scott, and they replied, uh, and that was my pinned tweet. Oh, also, if I like, am looking for like a cheap yes, if nobody said yes in a while, I'll like go to Brand Twitter and ask because they'll always say yes. Most of the yeah. time, like Velveeta cheese said yes for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got um, Arizona tea. That was another one. Actually, that was one, one other overlap because their yes um, gave us, you know, the intel we needed to uh, include that in our PAPS episode as uh, one of the, you know, the various beverages to yes. assess as w- who was most ska. The only re- the real, I would say the real holder of that crown is Surge because Surge was posting about it before my Twitter account even existed. Yeah, Surge, I'd say Surge, but also, you know, Corey era Pabst. Yeah. Because he was posting about it for no reason at all. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't being prompted. He was just posting about it. And uh, he, and then, of course, the fact that he was making playlists with Paps that had Ska on it. I mean. Yeah, we were on one of those playlists. Hell yeah. Yep. And so did we establish this, what your rules are? Your rules are um, they have to say, uh, they have to respond. And you pretty much, you're really liberal in terms of what you accept as, you know, they like Ska, right? <laughs> yeah, that's like my favorite thing is when somebody gives a kind of non-committal answer or is just like it's fine just all caps they like it because it's like it's fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) or i like i like when they go like uh i i i like uh i like bob marley's old stuff and that's it and you're like they like scar because <laughs> <Right. laughs> i always do that with a i like have kind of hoped that somebody would reply and be like i didn't say yes but like nobody has ever like called me out on it <laughs> all right so you uh you play uh bass in gray matter i do all right i used to sing also but i don't anymore why do you stop singing uh because i well i kind of hurt my voice a little bit because i was like yelling um and then also it was like kind of I got to the point where i could like half-ass two things or whole ass playing bass and i think bass is more fun mm-hmm. uh, i stopped singing and mac stopped playing guitar and started singing full-time and i think that's like just a way better uh layout for our band are you um were you founder of the band yeah so it's uh of the the five of us now, uh, Nick, who plays drums, Mac, who sings and plays saxophone, and I are the founding members. And then uh, Pip and Merlin have uh, been around for a couple years. We actually asked Merlin, our guitar player, is the our most recent member, and um, we like asked them to like come to practice and see how it felt. And then the next practice we had got canceled because of coronavirus. And then we <laughs> didn't have practice for like a year and a half. So like they were like, know. Oh yeah, I'll be at the next one. And then just like, <laughs> didn't. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. We know the story. Yeah. The coronavirus, every band's coronavirus story. <laughs> yeah. Our record. Oh, our record that also came out the day that, uh, the United States declared a state of emergency. <laughs> oh man! Uh, you guys were in one of the earlier Bad Time Records bands. Um, yeah, and, and you and also kind of before Bad Time became a bigger thing, and you know, right when coronavirus hit too, so you didn't have the pre, um, you know, touring ability off that record, and you didn't, and it was released before Bad Time really took off. Yeah. So kind of a weird timing for all of that. It did. 
that considering that it did so much better than I thought it was going to. Uh, I mean, it's like sold out now, which is still feels insane. It's been like two years, but like I was worried we were going to have records forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if you would have released it, um, a year later, I bet you, you know, it was sold out before, you know, all at pre-sales would have sold out. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But like, I mean, there was no precedent for that. And also like, we were so sick of those, not sick of those songs, but we had been playing those songs for a long time and like really wanted to have that record out so we could like a, so people could actually listen to it and B so we could like start focusing on other stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, you obviously had no idea it was going to be a state of emergency on the release date. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) Were you guys planning on touring or what was your plan? So it's a little hard to say. I think that we had kind of planned to take the summer off. And maybe do like an end of summer, like early fall run. Um, Because the year before we did like a summer West Coast run and it was like incredible, uh, like the best tour I've ever been on. And then we did two smaller like Midwest loops that sucked really, really, really bad. (laughs) So there was like, I think that we kind of got back from the the, like two week run we did. Uh, I think it probably would have been in like august or september and we're just like all right we need to like take a break from playing shows on the road and like get this record done uh and then i think that it kind of would have depended on how well that record did in a alternative no covid reality if like that record would have like popped way off which i mean it did better than we expected but if there would have been like demand for us the tour i think we would have considered it we did god I was like real close to uh, financing a van. <laughs> I was like saving oh, man. my paychecks and it was like literally like we went and looked at a van. I got my credit ran. I like really came close to financing like a $10,000 van and then was just like, I'm just going to wait until this record comes out. And then I got so lucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would have been such a bummer, especially because you also ended up losing your job because of the COVID. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and then what was the bit also with you owing the government a bunch of money? Oh my God. So, (laughs) so what had happened with that was I uh, got laid off and then the manager that laid me off uh, about a week later quit with no two weeks, just walked out and was done. Uh, So I was on unemployment for, you know, that, so that was like March to December, Mm -hmm. right? On unemployment that whole time. And then uh, the way that at least in the state of Michigan it worked was they extended the like uh, pandemic unemployment more, but you had to like re-sign up again and like resubmit all your stuff. And I uh, like misclicked a box on something cause it wouldn't go through. Cause there was like issues. I like, I'm sure this is the same way everywhere, but like the Michigan state unemployment system was like very bad <laughs> and was not, <laughs> not set up for that influx of people. So like I misclicked a box and my uh, account went under review. Uh, and so they called my previous employer and the person they talked to was like, I don't know who that person is. He quit, <laughs> uh, which immediately like voided my account for the last, uh, you know, like $17,000 of unemployment or whatever. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, and then like, because unemployment was so swamped, I had to like keep calling and keep protesting. I had to, I got a free lawyer, like a low income free lawyer eventually. 
and had like an, an adjudication, like legal phone call. And like, thankfully, like she was able to like get it all sorted. But like, that was like, I think probably the most stressful part, like a uh, couple months of my entire life. Cause it was like, <laughs> that $20,000 would have uh, put me in a bad spot. Yeah. Yeah. Paying that off forever. Right. Cause there's interest on it too. And you had to pay it back. And like, I, my partner and I just bought a house, so I was just gonna like, well, I'm about to drop out of school, even though I just went back and just like go work sixty hours a week to pay twenty thousand dollars to the government for nothing. Jeez, that didn't happen, which was very tight. Yeah. And then the government government official came to your house and they said, "You claim you're unemployed, but I see that you have a job asking celebrities <laughs> to pay like ska." <laughs> I was worried because like. They they sent me a bunch of like fraud, like vague paperwork about if I was committing fraud or not. And I was worried I was going to get audited because I did sell a lot of Scar or nah shirts. <laughs> yeah. Fraud or nah. This was the government account tweeting at you. <coughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. That, that's your next account. <laughs> how, how many of these wall plaques that say uh, this in this house, we believe Scar's not dead. How many of those do you sell? <laughs> We sold five. I have okay. one. Uh, I have the ability to make more. I have one. Oh, yeah. I forgot I did send you one. <laughs> yeah. My uh, partner has a cricket, and those metal signs are just from the from Dollar Tree, so like we can I buy them it. and make them pretty easy. They're like a pain in the ass to ship, though. Yeah. I sent yours in that vinyl mailer as a joke, but like <laughs> <laughs> the other ones, I had to like buy smaller mail, and it's just a pain in the ass. It was like fun to do that shit when i didn't when i wasn't going to school and didn't have a job but i'm like in school and have a job now so i'm gonna do that less often probably yeah what's your what's your top selling uh merch uh the so the hats well it's like kind of a tie between the hats and the the uh uh sky sucks jk could you imagine shirts both did super well <laughs> i sold more of the shirts but it was because i did i took pre-orders versus the hats i just like had some printed and sold them, but like the hats, the hats were like gone immediately. The first run, I was like, I'm going to do 12 of these just to like see how it goes. And I like tweeted the picture and they were just were fucking gone. <laughs> the ska sucks. JK. Can you imagine? It's such a weird, hyper specific joke. I just, I get why everyone buys them, but I'm, what do people think when they see those on people? They're like, what is that even? What are they talking about? That's, I love, I love <laughs> people are always like, I was wearing my shirt today and some guy came up to me and was like, Scott does suck. And then I turned around and he didn't know what to say. Because <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> fuck, like that's the exact point of that. It's such like yeah. a dumb, because I, when I was like initially kicking around the idea, I, was going to either do ska rules or ska sucks. And I did a poll and then like, literally I was like at the last second, I was like, what if it was this and this and like third option. And that just was like five times the votes of everything else. Everybody was like, that's so stupid and funny. You should do it. And that's like, but my guiding principle for any merchandising for this Twitter account is like, it just has to be funny. (laughs) Sure. So, um, there's a, uh, hardcore band called gray matter with an a oh my god (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) how often do you get mistaken or confused for them so we did that west coast tour in 2019 uh, and we played gilman very cool dream come true uh this fucking guy dm'd us and was so mad when the show got announced i made 
uh, one of his the things he sent me is actually our Insta or our uh, Spotify bio. Let me see. I'll mm-hmm. pull it up real quick and read it to you. It's very mean. Uh, but like, yeah, people send. So it wouldn't. I wouldn't care if people weren't so fucking mean about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I did the thing where I just was like being really sarcastic to this dude without being mean to him. Because uh, he was like an older guy. He was probably older than you guys. Even not that you're old. You're just older than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was like, I was like calling him dad and stuff. Uh, and he, so the the funniest reply was, "Idiots! Not only is tenth generation ska the lamest music on earth, your band is even more unoriginal that you have to reuse a band name. I hope you have to commit the walk of shame every night on your tour this spring." And then he called us dweebs, but he spelled it wrong. <laughs> how, how did he spell it? D W E B S instead of two E's. So dwebs. 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 That should be the name of the new album. <laughs> well, we being the fucking crazy people that we are, we were at like practice <laughs> and we're like, this guy is like DMing me this mean shit with his real name. <laughs> and like, if you do that, like, if you somebody has your name, they can just like Google you and find your phone number and address. <laughs> and like, we were like really thinking about like just taking a like a band picture on that because we were going like pretty close to his house because he was like got mad that we were playing Gilman because he's like in the bay somewhere I think and we were gonna go like take a band picture outside of his house and use it as the album cover. <laughs> and then <we> like, <laughs> I wish I wish you'd done that. Right, we reconsidered because like, well, the plan was we were gonna take the picture outside of his house, use it as the album cover, and then mail him a copy. <laughs> like that. I think is a little too close to harassment. So we like, yeah, there's another band. Now I don't think this is, this has or will impact you ever, but there was another band called gray matter. And that was spelled with an E just like your guys's band. Yeah. Have you, have you heard of this band? No. Okay. So they were from San Jose in, in like the late eighties. What are, were they good? <laughs> pretty, pretty good. It's like kind of like psychedelic furs ty- style. Oh, cool. Like, Okay, they um, and they're a little before my time. But the reason I know them is because the drummer of that band started. Um, he he was he opened this venue called the Cactus Club, which was like the main venue in uh, San Jose. You know, all through the nineties, right? That uh, that, you know, we would go to, and uh, yeah, that was when I first heard of uh, your band. I was like, Gray Matter, what's going on? So I'm probably the only person that confused uh, you with that band for that band. Yeah, no, I've never, never gotten that. Um, it just sucks. Cause like I, I said earlier, we started gray matter. I, I was like me and Nick were 19. Mac was like 22 and it was like, what it was. We got the name from a Deltron 3030 song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people are always like, uh, Oh, from Breaking Bad, right? And it's just like, I've never seen that show. So I'll just like say yes. People will, like ask me what it's from with a theory and I'll just like agree. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the theory is, just agree with it. Yeah. We were real close to changing it before the record came out, climbing out came out. But like, we were all finally like, yeah, it's time to do it. Let's change it. And then just couldn't come up with anything. So did you have any any band names that were 
being considered at all? Nothing even close, really. We like really well. We did probably part of the problem was we did the thing where we like sat in a room together for like three hours and we're like, let's just figure this out right now, which is like the worst (laughs) way to make a decision like that. So, why is it when you um, are sitting in a room with somebody? And you need a band name. Why is it like every band name you come up with in those moments are just horrendous? Oh, the worst ever. Or just like the one good one that comes up is taken to. But like if you're um, on a walk or you're taking a shower or you're you're driving somewhere, that's when like that's when the good band name, you know, and you don't have a band. You're not planning a band or anything. I mean, that's when the good band name comes to you. It just enters your subconscious mind like uninvited you just can't force it adam you so when you you can uh boots when you came up with that one was there anything around you coming up with that well i that wasn't uh i didn't come up with that steven heat who was the drummer at the end of dessa that was just something that he would say like we'd be on tour and he would he would constantly just walk around in board shorts and that's it like no (laughs) no shoes no shirt and so he'd like walk out out of the van in into like a gas station and just like bare feet through like all the like nasty oil and puddles and whatever. And just be like, yep, strapping on my nar boots. <laughs> but that was a phrase. That was a skater phrase, I think. It is a skater phrase. Yeah. And I mean, that's where he got it from. And so I, I just remember like when I needed a band name, I was like, oh, we'll just call it nar boots. Like that's such a good like phrase. Yeah. So you did you have that in your back pocket before? Yeah. So that was just like hanging around. See, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. You got to you got to just have those when you you have to be in between bands, <laughs> and you, then then you'll get the names. So you guys are from uh, Lan- Lansing, 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 yeah, Lansing, Michigan. Um, w- tell us a little bit about the scene there, the ska scene. Is there uh, other bands? No, well, so there, Lansing is like a pretty small city. It's the it's the capital, but uh, before. I can't remember the exact year a long time ago. Detroit was the capital, but it was too close to Canada. Uh, So there was like worry that I think it was, they were at like the United States was a new country at war with Britain still. Uh, And there was like worry that uh, Detroit would be invaded through Canada too easily. So like they just made Lansing the capital out of spite. Cause like Calgary was trying to get it there and Grand Rapids was trying to get it. And like, so Lansing is like a small city. Uh, I don't know yeah. why that story has nothing to do with the senior, but <laughs> but it, it's a college town though, right? Uh, yeah, Michigan State's technically uh, East Lansing, but they're it's just right other side of the freeway, basically. Uh, so there's there's like a scene at Michigan State. Uh, there was a little bar here called Max that closed that I did sound at that we played like all of our first headlining shows at. That was like a real special place for a long time, and it sucks that it's gone, but um. There was like a good house show scene around here too. It's it's kind of been weird to watch things shake out now because uh, COVID closed all of the venues here basically. Uh, wow. The little spot, the big spot. Uh, there's like one bar that has shows, but they they've got like a bad PA and it's like a weird room to play. So like we're not gonna play there really. But uh, there's like a cool. I'm on the booking committee for a festival here called Stoop Fest. Uh, and that was the the only show Gray Matters played since COVID was uh, Stoopfest, uh, like a month or two ago. 
Uh, it looked like you guys had an awesome turnout for that. Yeah, it was uh, crazy. It was. I think that like a lot of that owes to it being the first year since COVID, but it was like by far the best year of the festival. To, this is the first year I've been on the board, but by far the best year of the festival. Everything went great. That Grey Matter set was like one of those sets where like, you know you play and it's not like well that you like finish and you're like I didn't play very well, but like that was very fun. <laughs> one of those (laughs) shows because like playing outside sucks so bad but like that's kind of just the reality of where we are with COVID I think is that like we're going to try to play out loud or outside whenever we can Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah there's like a a healthy little scene here there were a lot of really cool bands doing stuff that are kind of I don't know if they're still doing it a lot of people like moved away during COVID I haven't really been to many shows since COVID just because a, they're either like house shows in East Lansing that I'm not like not trying to go to really, or like because there's like a lot of co-ops over there that have shows that are just parties where bands play. But it's cool. Lansing is like a, a small, weird little city that has like a lot of really cool bands. There's like we have toured a lot with a, a folk punk band called Rent Strike that Nick also plays in, and uh, our old guitar player Emma's in. Uh, Emma also has a band called She Her Hers that I was in. Yeah, and there's and there's all kinds of shit. Lansing is cool as hell. <laughs> Love it here. Are you um are you familiar with uh, Bob Harvey? No. They are uh Lansing. Oh, legends. you know what? We have talked about this. Yeah, they were from East Lansing, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. They're back back they started back in the 80s. Yes. Yeah, I checked that when we talked about it actually. They have a few Scott songs, but it's more like a little more reggae influenced and then they kind of become a little bit more like alternative rock, like quote unquote world beat stuff. Right. Uh, I was big. I was a big fan of them in the nineties. Oh, cool. And they were on, uh, they were on Conan O'Brien kind of in like the mid nineties when they were about, it seemed like they were about to blow up, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part of that story is that they brought their dog <laughs> on stage with them and the singer <laughs> he, the singer brought like a lounge chair and he had, and he was like sitting in the lounge chair singing and he had his dog next to him cool and uh i never saw the band live and then i got to talk to like the bass player of that band and i was like i love that conan o'brien thing did you guys do that normally did you normally just bring your dog on stage he's like no that was the only time we ever did that. <laughs> <laughs> What a weird decision to use such a high-profile show to do something so weird. Well, you got you to do the weird, memorable shit when you're on TV, right? Because, like, yeah, I guess so. But they did they did bring their dog on tour. They told me that um, they they brought the dog on tour, and then the dog would stay in the van. You know, when they did the show, and they were like, they said the dog was like on guard, ready, just was guarding <laughs> the van, and nobody fucked with the the van because the dog was in there. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, like folk punk bands do the dog on tour thing. Yeah. I respect it. It seems like it'd be really hard to manage. Yeah. yeah I would feel a little weird about leaving my dog in the car for too long. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Just do the sublime, sublime thing and have it walking around on stage where you play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gray matter. You guys are kind of like, it seems like there's a lot going on in your music. It's pretty, pretty interesting, eclectic um, tempos other influences and other non ska influences coming in. Yeah. I'm curious about some of your non ska influences. Oh yeah. Well, so we are from Michigan. Uh, there's a band that's from Grand Rapids originally called La Dispute. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of them. Mm-hmm. 
that band was incredibly impactful on us forming this band. That was kind of like the uh, like common thing between because we had, at least Mac and I. I don't Nick like has got into ska through us, I think, but wasn't particularly into anything like past Streetlight Manifesto. Maybe when we first started the band, but that was kind of like the the band that we all knew and like understood kind of. Um, and I think that a lot of like that, like post hardcore stuff still shines through a lot. Um, the newer stuff, uh, y'all know that band parquet courts. Yeah. We've all been listening yeah, yeah. to a lot of, uh, that band while writing this new record we're working on. Uh, and that's the shit. That shit's weird. I'm like really excited about those songs. Uh, and then like, uh, specifically, I think uh, ceremony also has been like a really common influence through the writing process too for us. Touche Amore, yeah, Touche Amore, yeah, Touche Amore did a split with La Dispute in like 2011, I think. Uh, and th- that's like I think the gold standard f- for splits between bands because they do like the cool thing where it's like both singers are on both songs. Uh, the both all all the songs fucking rule yeah i love touche more that band also uh was really important just for me specifically formatively in high school and and blue meanies obviously are an influence too right yes so the funny thing about that is that we for the first couple years we were a band people would like tell us that we reminded them of the blue meanies but none of us had ever listened to the blue meanies (laughs) (laughs) But it was, I think, partially at least because a lot of the like weird, like uh, sky energy influence we took was from bands like the Flaming Tsunamis and Fatter Than Albert, which I think they is like weird, right? So it's just influence of an influence. But like uh, before the last record, we all really got into the Blue Meanies, and uh, I thought that's like my favorite ska band. What were the ska bands that you were into when you were younger and kind of in, in the very early days of gray matter? So I uh, saw we are the union open for less than Jake in like 2011. Uh, and that was like one of the first shows I ever went to. And then I just saw we are the union like every time I could. So like, I, I think that in the realm of ska music, uh, we are the union is like one of the most important bands to me. Uh, and the the formulation of Grey Matter too, because that was like another one of those bands that we all knew and liked, and could be like, let's just do some weird, cool shit like this. As an old school, longtime fan of We Are the Union, what did you think of the direction they took on the last record? Oh, it's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I I always appreciate a band that can change musical direction and stay good, and We Are the Union did that very well. I thought Self Help was incredibly good too. Um, mm-hmm. yeah yeah love every everything that that band does and has done i uh was like in high school when i first got in the sky i was a pretty active tumblr user <laughs> and there was like a good yeah. uh, sky community on there uh i like remember being on tumblr talking to jeremy from sky 2 network about how good we are the union are <laughs> or were <Yeah. laughs> it's like real funny to think about that now because Obviously, Jair's in We Are the Union. Oh, this was pre-Jair in We Are the Union era? Yeah, this was like 2010. Uh, were you into, the, like, when you were younger, were you into the bigger, more mainstream ska acts? Or did you just like the underground stuff? So I loved and still enjoy Less Than Jake. I have a Less Than Jake tattoo. Um, 
that was I saw We Are the Union for the first time because I like convinced my mom to drive me to Grand Rapids on a school night and wait in the car. Grand Rapids is about an hour and a half from us. Uh, so I could see Less Than Jake for the first time. Uh, and it was great. Very good. Wait, wait. Um, what is your Less Than Jake tattoo and where is it? It's on my calf. I got it on my 18th birthday. Uh, it's just the Evolution Kid. Okay. Was there any other like bigger ba- bands that you were uh, that you were or are into? Yeah, I mean, like when I was younger, like definitely Real Big Fish. Uh, I really loved Sublime in high school. Uh, I still will go to bat for that first Sublime record. I think that there is certainly some problematic shit on there, but it's very good. Um, and Streetlight Manifesto, then now forever always, fucking rocks. Was Less Than Jake the first band, the first band you discovered in this genre? Yeah. So I, <laughs> the way that I like got into, I love telling the story because it's so goofy. The way that I like got into Ska was that, so Less Than Jake had a song in that Digimon movie. I think this was the entry point for a lot of younger people. Before Jer explained this to us, I, I didn't, I don't think the word Digimon even entered my brain. <laughs> <laughs> because like different Pokemon, especially then it was not, just- not on my radar at all. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. I got really into Less Than Jake from, I like had taped that movie off TV on like a tape when I was a kid. And then just like, liked that song, found it on the internet and then like pulled up the Less Than Jake Wikipedia article. And then was just like related artists on like LimeWire and just downloading everything I could find. Uh, And that was kind of what opened the door for me for Scott music. I also have an older brother that's 10 years older than me. And he like came to visit one time and I was like, have you ever heard of this band? And he was like, I love that band. And then he showed me a bunch of bands too. But that even still, sometimes if I'm like getting into a new band, I'll like pull that Wikipedia article up and be like related artists. What do we got? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, climbing out that that was the, uh, the bad time record album you released in 2020. Yeah. It was on Um, bad time and choke artists too. Okay. Before that record, you get you gray matter put out some stuff was this your debut lp or did you have an, any full lengths before climbing out no this this is like the the debut lp i would say there's like a weird kind of mini album thing that was just like a compilation of old songs uh but we had never like sat down and be, been like let's do a record let's write this record until climbing out there's also a split with a sharkanoid right yeah that was real cool <laughs> <laughs> Sharkanoid, for anyone who doesn't know, is a uh, band with Dan Pothast, and is it also uh, Rick Johnson? Yeah. So I don't. I've never met Dan. I don't know if Dan even knows that split exists. We did all that through Rick because Rick Rick recorded Climbing Out and most of the other stuff, and is our is my friend. Uh, okay. So Climbing Out, like, there's a lot of songs on there. Like, um, let's see here. Not my friend. I think it's a pretty overt song about dealing with um, friends who are uh, maybe have racist views and maybe won't let them go, you know. Um, and other songs about what sounds like a lot of songs about growing up, growing out of like maybe some bad parts of your past, you know, to become a new, better you. Um, I don't know what level you had in writing the lyrics, but I'm, I'm just curious, kind of like the um kind of the stage that was you know around you guys as you were writing this record so i i wrote almost none of the lyrics but uh 
Mac, who sings, wrote uh, the majority of everything, I think. But but we're uh, all from originally from Livingston County, which is like 20 to 30 minutes from Lansing. And it's uh, it's like a small farming community. The like the county seat is this town called Howell, which was the uh, where the Ku Klux Klan was based for a while. in like the 70s, oh, wow. 80s. So a lot of like specifically like uh, not my friend is kind of there. Unfortunately, we all grew up with a lot of shitheads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Partially coming to terms with just like these people that you've always known are just the, the terrible. <laughs> uh, that was a pretty common theme. I mean, I don't want to speak for Mac, but definitely for me as a kid and, you know, becoming a conscious human being that has my own thoughts. There was a lot of growing away from people like that. Did you grow up in a, in a, an environment where you were taught those things or does it more, you became aware of how pervasive the racism and the bigotry was around you? Uh, I don't know that I was necessarily taught those things. Both of my parents are pretty progressive and very cool. Uh, my dad, I think kind of instilled a lot of my politics in me. Um, but I definitely remember, like realizing as like specifically in high school that like wow a lot of these kids say the n-word all the time this is awful like I don't, <laughs> it's not funny so you, there was maybe a time where um you, you know not necessarily that you subscribed to what they did or said but you didn't maybe it didn't hit you maybe how terrible it was until you got a little older certainly yeah especially with like when you're like a young kid and everybody is just like saying shit that their older brother said or I mean, not that my brother was saying that shit, but like, you know, when you're just like a kid and somebody's got a cool older brother that like smokes cigarettes and swears and says terrible shit, you think that person's cool until you're older and you have this, you know, different perspective and you're like, oh, that dude is a fucking shithead. <laughs> <laughs> what did you get, um, you know, a better perspective, if you will, from, you know, the music scene or was it just your own? natural evolution growing up some of both i think i was uh uh was and still am a pretty serious reader as a kid so i uh was reading a lot of books i think that's like really important to give perspective but also like i was listening to a lot of punk i really love specifically propagandi was a band that really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. uh that's another band in the the non-sky gray matter influences specifically less talk more rock that album fucking rocks. <laughs> I think I feel like reading maybe more than any other kind of art form is helpful to have you question your values and stuff because you know, with TV and movies, everything's so fast. Mm-hmm. But with reading, it's like a slower process and you can stop and, and reread, reread a passage. Exactly. Yeah. No, I totally, yeah. totally. And your brain, it's a more an active process. So your brain is thinking along with it. So I, I think that there's a lot of value in reading as opposed, you know, compared to other ways of digesting ideas. Did you have any specific books that were really important to you? Yeah. So I, I think that reading for me a lot actually has been more impactful recently and and uh, kind of changing the way I think about things just because like uh, I've been reading, like I like did the thing I got into punk music and was like, yep, racism is bad. And then not until in the last like five years, I started kind of reading 
uh, books like I uh, I think that Our Prisons Obsolete by Angela Davis uh, was really important for mm. me. Uh, I'm reading A People's History of the United States right now. Incredibly, uh, incredibly good. Fucked up. Um, trying to think. I read uh, that Naomi Klein book, The Shock Doctrine, also was like a real eye opener. Um, I would recommend all those. Very good. Okay. Did either of our uh, yeah. requests for people who like Scott, did either of those get replies? They did not, unfortunately. Oh, man. Well, if they do reply, you're going to have to let us know. I will. We'll have to add an addendum to the episode. <laughs> I'll, run it. I'll run an ad. It'll be fine. <laughs> All right. So I think that's the end of this episode. Oh, can I, can I shout out my friend John? Oh, yeah, please. Shout out to my friend John. <laughs> if, I did, if I did an episode, I'd say, hey, he's a listener. Yeah. What's up, John? Come to Michigan, John. Come to Michigan, John. And then come to Brazil. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you normally stream or download episodes. If you haven't already, grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Ska, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. It's at In Defense of Scott. And please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com backslash In Defense of Scott. You will get monthly bonus episodes, extended interviews and commentary per episode, and access to the In Defense of Scott Discord. In Defense of Ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week. So you should go check out their other projects as well. Co-host Adam Davis has an amazing band called Omnigon. Give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And if you've ever enjoyed one of the highly specific in defense of ska memes floating around the interwebs, it was likely the work of the bands I like only charge $18. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On that note, we leave you by saying ska now more than ever. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.